Pastor Xavier Reese illustrates how good intentions don't necessarily translate into righteous actions before the Lord. He ignored godly fear as to how to deal with the ark. David carelessly thought that God should honor his heart while ignoring scripture. Let me repeat that. David carelessly thought that God should honor his heart while ignoring scripture. He did not. Okay, very important. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The scene of 2 Samuel chapter 6 might be viewed as the day God reigned on David's parade. A major celebration was in the works as David sought to retrieve the 400-year-old Ark of God back to Jerusalem. Though the atmosphere was surely joyful and exciting, in the end, it was a good thing done the wrong way, and none of it pleased God. The simple truth is, the sacred ark came with some very strict instructions on how to transport it, but were ignored at great peril to those mishandling it. Let's listen as Pastor Xavier presents a lesson learned the hard way of worship worthy of a holy God. As you look to David and you look at him real closely and you study him, you can understand why God called him a man after God's own heart in many ways. Though we will see the negative aspects of David also. Though David's adversary Saul was dead, and all of Israel had anointed him king over the nation, he had taken hold of the stronghold of Zion, Jerusalem is his capital now. It was all meaningless until the ark of God was brought into the city and become the worship center of God and the abiding power of God in their presence. This was David's heart. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What occupies, occupies my mind all the time? What is the, the thing that's the most central thing of my life? Jesus put it this way in Matthew 7, 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He didn't say where your heart is. He said where your treasure is, your heart will be also. I pray that as we look at the text this morning, that God would reveal to us some of our buried treasures. There's something we put so much value on, but without God being the center of life, all these things are meaningless. It's only when I have my relationship right with God that the rest of the things take meaning and are effectively used. You understand? Otherwise, they blind me. And so, in this chapter, we are revealed David's concern as he seeks God's ark. Let me read for us here. Beginning verse 1. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baalai, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts, whose dwells between the cherubim. And so they set the ark of God on a new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was in the hill. And Uzzah and Iho, Iho, um, Ohio, or something like that, uh, sons of Abinadab drove a new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God, and uh, Ahio went before the ark. And then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord, and all the kinds of instruments of fir wood, of harp, of string instruments, and tambourines, and sistrums, and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacor's 
a threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it and the oxen, for the oxen stumbled. And then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his heir. And he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? And so David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now, it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that they sacrificed oxen and fattened sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shoutings and with the sounds of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through the window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And so they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in the place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both women and men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake raisin. So all the people departed, everyone to his own house. And then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovering himself. And so David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all the house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. And I will be even more indignified in this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maid servants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Three things are revealed concerning David as he sought the ark of God. First, David's concern for God, verse 1 through 5. Secondly, David's carelessness towards God, verse 6 through 11. And then thirdly, David's contrition to God, verse 12 down through 23. David's concern for God, verse 1 through 5. Notice here, the concern of the day was to retrieve the ark of God to the capital of the nation, Jerusalem. The first two verses. The parallel, you can get Chronicles. You can start reading Chronicles. Chronicles chapter 13, verse 1 through 8, 15, 3 through 24. You get the counterpart, more details there. And I'll give you some of those. Now, notice the event was an important national event. Gathered all the choice men here of Israel, bringing up the ark of God. This is not some small thing. This is a national thing, an event that is, is historic in its proportion. And David addressed all the men in 1 Chronicles 13, 2, down to 3, tells us to gather the ark and to bring it back. And the thing was right 
before the eyes of the people, we're told in Chronicles. They agreed with it. Now, the number here that we get is 30,000. And the number is dotted by some saying that it's an exaggeration or something like that. But again, they're not taking the context and measuring what's going on. This was the military, the political, and religious exhibition of the people of God who had finally conquered the land under the monarchy. You understand? This is no small thing. Plus also, they had to go retrieve it, and the Philistines are still around. This is an incredible display of David being king. The individuals were captains of thousands and hundreds, and every leader, we are told, in 1 Chronicles 13.1. And the gathering is said to be from Shior in Egypt, as far as the endurance of Hamath, over the farthest part of the north to Egypt. So it encompassed that everybody involved, leaders, everybody. Now, the reason for seeking the ark is not given to us here, but in Chronicles 13.3 it is. It was that it had not been sought by the people for a long time since the days of Saul. The ark, remember, was at Bethel and Shechem and Shiloh during the period of Judges. It was there at Shiloh, and in 1 Samuel 4, remember that the Philistines took the ark. Then the ark was returned to Beth Shemesh, and God smote the people there for looking into it, and they, uh, they called the inhabitants of um, Kirhath-Jerim to come and fetch it in 1 Samuel 6. And the ark then abode in Kirhath-Jerim, in the house of Abinadab, under his son Eliezer, for 20 years in 1 Samuel 7, 2. David, remember, went to Nob, fleeing from Saul, and when he grabbed some bread there, the showbread and the sword of Goliath, we're not told whether the ark was there. It could have been, we're not sure. But now it is here at Kirhath-Jerim, and it says, Bala, a Judah, and, and the scholars say it's the same location, it's just a different name. So it's the house of Obinadam, seven miles northwest of Jerusalem. And again, Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 13.6 confirms this. So as you go through Samuel, you begin 1 Chronicles, and you'll be able to parallel what's going on with greater detail, because that's the record of the priests. So this is a very important event for the priesthood. You understand? Take the 20 years in the house of Obadidim, or Obinadam, the 40-year reign of Saul, at the very least... It's been 60 years since they sought the ark. Now, we lose this when we read. We don't understand that. It could be up to 70, 70-some 70 years. A lot of things get dropped 60, 70 years. That used to be done according to the scriptures. And people start taking liberties and just feel that it's not important anymore. We need to understand this. Look at verse 2. The ark was identified with God. The ark is called by His name. God Elohim, the Creator, the triune God, the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven. The ark was the place where God appeared for the high priest between the cherubim, as you know, in the tabernacle, in Exodus 25, 22. The warrior title here is given to God, associated with his name, the Lord of hosts. When people, the people of the land saw the cloud, they knew Israel was behind it. That was God, and they feared. They came across Jericho. They took it. Walls fell down. The Lord of hosts the captain of the armies of heaven, and God would meet the high priest. Now, notice the ark represented the presence of God in the midst 
of his people. It's very important. The ark was the very source of the life of government of that nation. And it was pitched in the very center of the encampment. Book of Numbers, chapter 1 through 3, gives you the encampment, how all the tribes would, would be around the ark, but the ark would be in the center. The heart of the nation was to be God. Our nation, our coins, our money says, in God we trust. Our documents say, created by God, endowed by the creator. Everything, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, it involves God. Our Constitution will only work if God is included. It's for a moral, ethical people. When you exclude God, our Constitution doesn't work. It begins to be interpreted subjectively apart from the spirit of which it was written. It is freedom of religion, not from religion. One little preposition makes a difference. But it's interpreted apart from the spirit. So this is much has happened now at the time of David. Been a long time since they sought the ark. Now, the name of God, as you know, is considered holy. And it's not even mentioned. In fact, that's why we don't know if it's Yahweh, Yahweh, because they only wrote the consonants, Y-H-V-H or W-H. But God never intended that. God wanted us to know the name. So we take a vow by his name. So we know who he is. This is just man's superstitious, religious, dumb things that we do. It wasn't God's doing. Now, the description of the pattern entirely of the tabernacle it all spoke of Christ, as you know, from Exodus 25 to 40. The New Testament gives us all the interpretation. All spoke of Christ. Shadows and types of things to come. Uh, the wood spoke of his humanity. The gold spoke of his deity. The silver spoke of redemption. Brass spoke of, of, of judgment. So you had God who would become man and become sin and be judged on the cross. And it would be redemption. The entire rooms, the first room, 30 by, uh, 15 by 30, was the place of the holy place. The tabernacle was there. When you walked in on the left, you had the candelabra. On the right, you had the showbread where the bread was. You had the altar of incense. Then you had a veil. The priest would go in daily to do that ministration all the time. Behind the veil, the second one, 15 by 15, a, square, uh, a perfect cube. And there the Ark of the Covenant would be. And the priest would go in once a year after many washings and sacrifices. And God would meet him there and speak to him the day of Yom Kippur. You got Holy Month, you got uh, Yom Kippur, you got Feast of Tabernacles, everything. All the sacrifices point to Jesus. The burnt offering, dedication, consecration, totally consumed, given to God. The meat offering or meal offering, service to God, you fix it with your hands. The peace offering, because you're in fellowship with God, spoke of Jesus. He's our peace. The sin offering, the trespass offering, to confess and get it right so we can be in fellowship with God. All of it pointed to Jesus Christ. God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. Amazing. Now, look at verse 3 and 5. The concern of David was that it would be the expression of his worship. Don't miss it. They put the ark in a new cart. This was after the manner of the Philistines, not God's way. The time had been so long, they had become indifferent. They did not think to inquire the priest at the beginning here. And things happen with people when they don't use the word of God as their guide, then they just take things that, well, God will honor my heart. Not necessarily. He wants things done according to his word first. We're going to see this. They brought it out of the house of Abinadab, and inside were the two tables of stone written with the finger of God, the law by which man was to live, life and practice. There was a rod of Aaron, the authority to approach God. Only one tribe, only one person, the high priest and Levite. No one else. There was a pot of manna, God's provisions, miraculously through the wilderness. 
his faithfulness. And these two men driving the car were Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab. Now, there is no evidence that they were Levites. They had no business to be involved. First thing, okay? On a cart, like the Philistines. Bad. What are these guys doing? They're not priests. Bad. And their sincerity and goodness did not justify their disobedience to the word of God. If you go home today and you get pulled over by a policeman and he gives you a ticket, you say, I never knew that was in the vehicle code. You have a license? You're responsible to know everything in the vehicle code. Do you know that? If you're a Christian, you're responsible to know the whole Bible. God holds you responsible. It doesn't come overnight, but you better get to it. Get a start on it. You can't plead ignorance. You can't just run on sincerity. Hell's full of sincere people. Doesn't help them now. The intrusion into the priesthood order would have consequences. Look at verse 4. They accompany the ark in a procession. This is an important event. They all accompanied the ark from the house of Abinadab on the hill. Ahio here went before the ark, and they celebrated the event of verse 5 with all manner of instruments before the Lord. I mean, this is just, they're worshiping. It's a festive thing. Instruments of fir wood, harp, string instruments, tambourines, instruments, and cymbals there. Uh, many of the Psalms, like Psalm 150, have inscriptions for instruments. Um, David desired to worship before the Lord. David desired to bring back the worship into the city, now the national capital, and rejoicing in the United Kingdom. They got it established as a monarchy. All that God would place a burning desire and concern in our heart to worship, not simply sing. But you really worship God when you're lifting your voice. He could care less if you can sing or not. He wants to know if you're worshiping. That's the main thing. And sometimes Christians think, some of you guys think that the first half hour is for the latecomers. We're just kind of putting the sermon off. No, that half hour is of worship to prepare your heart, for God to speak to your heart before the word comes forth. You understand? It's not a fill-in time for the latecomers. When Queen Victoria had just um, ascended her throne and she went as a custom of royalty to hear the Messiah rendered, she had been instructed and conducted by those who protocol and all that that she was not to rise to her feet when they sang the hallelujah chorus. And when the magnificent chorus was being sung and the singers shouted hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. She had great difficulty remaining seated. It seemed that she would rise up in spite of the custom of kings and of queens. But finally, when they came to the part of the chorus where, where they shout, they proclaim him king of kings, suddenly the young queen arose and stood and bowed her head as if she would take her crown and cast it to his feet. Not thinking of yourself so highly, understanding who God is, what he's done for you. It's just, it's just amazing to me today, the arrogance of Christians in the church. We've lost all humility, ladies and gentlemen. The Old Testament gives witness that the believer is to worship God. You know that. Let everything have breath praise the Lord. Psalm 150, verse 6. Everything. The word halal means to acclaim, to boast. To glory, and there is a group of psalms called the Hallel Psalms in Psalm 113 to 118, um, expressing their satisfaction, the exaltation of God, His greatness, His qualities, His praise, just over and over again. Solomon, 
as he sets up the temple in 1 Kings 8 and in Chronicles 2, 2 Chronicles 5. He worships and he worships in every way, standing, lifting his hands, kneeling. And the glory of the Lord just fills the temple so much that all the Levites, everybody had to run out. Amazing. The New Testament also is a witness to the believer's privilege and command to worship God. Listen to Ephesians 5, 19 through 20. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians is the flip side. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making and with grace in your heart to the Lord. Ephesians deal, focus on the spirit. Colossians focus on the word. Those are both necessary. In the throne of heaven, Revelation 4.11 says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and they were created. David's concern for God was out of a sincere heart of worship. Notice, Next comes David's carelessness towards God. He was sincere, but his carelessness towards God comes. Notice 6 and 7, the Lord became angry. The cart came to Nacon's threshing floor, and Uzzah put out his hand to the ark, and he held on to it, and the oxen were stumbling. The ark of God was holy. Every Israelite knew that. They knew their history. The ark represented the testimony of God and the presence of God at times. The anger of the Lord then was aroused, notice, against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his heir, and he died there by the ark. The record is clear. Uzzah was at fault. For the word error means irreverence. He ignored godly fear as to how to deal with the ark. No one else is at fault. Certainly David is the king, is the authority, but Uzzah should not have touched that. The priests were the only ones who could touch the ark, as you know that. The servants were divided into different families, and they each had their own thing to take care of. It was to be transported by the priests, as we'll see. Now look at verse 8. The man David became angry. First God became angry, struck Uzzah. Now David became angry. He became angry against the Lord because it was his death. It's, it's obvious. David carelessly thought that God should honor his heart while ignoring Scripture. Let me repeat that. David carelessly thought that God should honor his heart while ignoring Scripture. He did not. Okay? Very important. David was in a greater sin now, being angry with God <laughs> over something scriptural. A lot of Christians do that because they think that they know better than God or that it's not fair. Don't start talking about fair. And, and when it comes to judgment, right and wrong, when you think God's wrong, guess who's wrong? Okay. Notice you call a place Perez Uzzah. Breach of Uzzah to this day, the outburst against Uzzah. A type of memorial to him. A warning to remind people of this event. Pastor Xavier Reese, 
illustrating with today's Simple Truth study how it's our actions that are honored over good intentions before a holy God. And you can find this program online to hear any part you may have missed. Just browse for today's date in the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But we've had to break into today's broadcast only partway through this intriguing message. And if your schedule won't permit you to tune in next time for the conclusion, as always, you can pick up a copy of this message. Now, the title you want to ask for is simply The Heart of David. It's available on CD, as always, for only $4. And having your own copy allows you to pass on this study to a friend in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is The Heart of David, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And be sure to join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com